0: Welcome back to The Pilgrim Soul, a podcast about the journey of faith in the world of today. I'm your host, Sophia.
1: And I'm Adriana.
0: And welcome to this episode on the Holy Spirit. Uh, I'm just going to start by saying (laughs) I very much recognize the magnitude of the task that we have chosen to undertake today. The inherent mystery that is before us as we try to speak about the third person of the Holy Trinity. So... While this is a little dizzying um, and I find myself hesitant to speak maybe as readily as we do on other episodes, I am also very grateful for this opportunity. I think it's maybe one of the most important things that we've chosen to take on over the course of our first three seasons. So I'm looking forward to hearing from you today and to receiving the Holy Spirit through the words that he inspires you to speak.
1: Yeah, Sophia, I think you have had really beautiful confirmation and prayer that I would just love for you to share. Mm. When we started discerning this episode, it does seem, I mean, as the third person of the Trinity, he's inexhaustible. Yeah. So how could we adequately talk about him in 30 minutes?
0: Yeah, exactly. And that was my first reaction. I think you proposed this topic during a phone call when we were talking about The state of the church now and our need for a renewal precisely in this, in a relationship, each of us in our relationship with the Holy Spirit, our awareness of the Holy Spirit. And I was attracted to the idea, but overwhelmed by this mystery that you're talking about. And so I took it to prayer the next day. And the gospel for that day happened to be Luke 12, in which Christ tells his disciples not to worry or prepare in advance what they would say before the witnesses of the world um, when they were called to testify to Christ, but to trust because the Holy Spirit would be sent into their hearts to teach them what to say. And then again this morning, as we were preparing to record, the homily that the priest shared with us was all about how it is humanly impossible to do the will of God, but the Holy Spirit is like the wind or the breath of God that is blown into the sails that God himself raises in our hearts. Mm. And so for me, these two beautiful moments of encounter with scripture and in liturgy are giving me courage and confidence that this is God's will and he will give us the words that he desires us to say today. Um little signs that God can use our our poor and limited understanding for his own glory today.
1: Yes, I hope so too. I think for me, why I felt so intrigued to bring this topic onto our podcast is precisely what you said, that so many of us lack a really clear relationship with the Holy Spirit. Yeah, And we live in the age of the Holy Spirit. The catechism talks about The time of the Old Testament as this time of the preeminence of God the Father Mm -hmm. and a hiddenness of the Son and the Spirit who are alluded to, of course, and present, Mm -hmm. But and then the time of the New Testament as the preeminence of the Son, Jesus, and he shares as he's leaving that it's good for me to go. I shouldn't stay. You could have my body. You could have this outer experience of me, hear my voice receive like my hugs but when i leave i will put my spirit inside of you Mm. i can actually remain in you but yet though he has ascended into heaven and we've experienced the son of the holy spirit at pentecost i think we don't really know what that means and we're at a loss because we don't have any language to articulate our relationship with the holy spirit
0: yes oh my goodness As you're speaking particularly about that line, it is good for me to go, I am just overwhelmed because on a human level, as you're saying, it's impossible for me to understand, let alone believe cognitively, that it's good for Christ to go. There's nothing more that I want than to see him and to hold on to him and Mm -hmm. to, to cling to him as Mary Magdalene desired to at the tomb, at the moment of the resurrection And yet he tells me it's good for him to go. Like what a profound gift the Holy Spirit and this mutual indwelling that you're saying must be if it's good for me that Christ has gone Mm -hmm. and that I don't see his face. So I think as you're saying, it would be an immense occasion for renewal in the church if we were to renew our awareness of who the Holy Spirit is and the infinite depth of this gift that Christ has given us in this new age, this age of the church. Um, that the Holy Spirit who was present at creation, as you said, hovering over the waters and was present throughout the history of Israel. And of course, during the ministry of Christ on earth, but the Holy Spirit now is available to us in a way that he wasn't before. I guess I would say maybe we should start with a brief summary of what the church teaches about who the Holy Spirit is to set the stage for then An exploration of ways that in our life and in the history of the church, we've seen the Holy Spirit at work.
1: Yes, I had one more thing I wanted to offer in regards to what you were saying, like it's better for Mm. me now, that the Holy Spirit is the person of the Trinity who makes manifest to us that Jesus is Lord. Yes. And we see that in scripture, the disciples don't understand, Mm -hmm. even at the Last Supper, Philip is like, you know, just show me the father and I'll be content. And Jesus is like, have I been with you for so I long? I love that
0: line. That's literally me. I know. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. The Gospel of John has a lot of humor. Yeah. If you haven't found it, go back. <laughs> <laughs> Read it again. But, and it's after Pentecost that they are given the courage to proclaim, like, the resurrection, which they've already experienced. They finally understand. Yes. And... If we were living 2,000 years ago, I think, you know, we wouldn't understand either. It's because we live in the age of the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit dwells inside of us that we can yes love Jesus and worship him as our Lord and Savior.
0: Right. Recognize that he is God. Absolutely. That is the work of the Holy Spirit, revealing that Jesus is the Christ. That's helpful because it makes clear, as we're going to touch on later in this episode, I think, that the Holy Spirit can be at work in ways that we don't appreciate um, or even explicitly recognize or acknowledge. We owe a lot more, I think, to the direct action of the Holy Spirit than we tend to recognize on a day-to-day basis.
1: Yeah, but back to your initial suggestion as sort of an overview, the Church confesses Father, Son, Holy Spirit, God as Trinity. And I use the word confesses because Understands would be like ridiculous to say mm-hmm. the church does not understand the Trinity, yes. and <laughs> we recognize this as the preeminent mystery of God that mm-hmm. He comes to us as three persons in one being who are consubstantial. To use yes the word of the Nicene Creed of the same substance. I had a professor at Notre Dame. She was British, and she would always say. Three who's and one what.
0: Three who's and one what. Wow. I love that. I've never heard that. Yeah. Because it's not how we use the word person. It's not... When I'm describing people all around me, we are different who's, but we're also different what's. And so I could see how the use of person sort of indiscriminately to apply it also to the Trinity could cause confusion.
1: Yeah. We believe in one God who makes himself available to us in the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And the... Western tradition of understanding this relationship is through a total self-giving of love. Mm -hmm. Uh, The father completely gives himself to the son, and through his giving of himself in this spoken word is made manifest in Jesus Christ, and that love shared between them is the Holy Spirit. Yes.
0: I'm reminded of this line from Fulton Sheen that I recently came across and love, which is that... The Father and the Son look at one another and sigh their love for one another. And this is the Holy Spirit, mm. a sigh of love between the Father and the Son. And it, it's become the basis of a prayer that I offer before I'm starting to pray in my holy hour. But inviting the Holy Spirit into my heart by saying, love between the Father and the Son, come into my heart. Just to remind me who it is that I'm invoking. He is a sigh of love between the Father and the Son that mm-hmm. invites me into that love.
1: Yeah, I love this definition of the Holy Spirit. It helps me so much to see the presence of the Holy Spirit in my Mm -hmm. life, like in communion and in that total self-giving act of love, especially in my marriage and parenting and in my friendships. Mm -hmm.
0: And the reason that's possible, the reason that it's true and that you know objectively that it's true is because of the church because the holy spirit works through the church. We mentioned at the start of our episode that this is in some sense is the age of the holy spirit after the ascension and the descent of the holy spirit at pentecost. We as his body now are united to one another and to Christ our head by the holy spirit. So this is what it means that we're in the age of the holy spirit. The spirit is the one who is leading the pilgrim church to our final destiny in the embrace of the father in eternity. And so objectively, we can say the Holy Spirit works through the magisterial authority of the church, the teaching authority of the College of Bishops, and through the sacraments, through these physical means of the communication of the grace of God. We can say with certainty that that Mm -hmm. is the work of the Holy Spirit.
1: Yes, and I think going back to John 14, Jesus says to his disciples and to all of us, I will not leave you orphans. Mm Mm-hmm. I don't know if we've really taken that to heart. I think I meet so many people, and maybe they're not practicing their faith, but who feel very much orphaned by God mm-hmm. and see that as a wound that prevents them from reengaging. Yeah. But I don't think we've really trusted Jesus that he's promised us, I will not leave you orphans. I'm sending an advocate. He will be a comforter to you. Mm-hmm. He will be able to remain inside of you and animate all of your movements and allow you to surrender yourself to my love to become another Christ.
0: Yeah. You've pinpointed a really important fact, which is that each human person feels a need for this. I think our sense of being orphaned is a testament to the intensity of the relationship with the Spirit that's promised us and that our heart's Desire. And I had a recent experience of this. We had the immense blessing of baptizing Elena, my niece, over the Christmas season. And Julian Frank asked me to be her godmother. So I prepared for it for weeks and just was so intensely aware of my desire for this sacrament for my goddaughter. Not Just because I've recognized in my own life the importance of my baptism, not just because it's a joyful, festive day with my friends and family, not just even because I desire the gifts and the fruits of the Holy Spirit for Elena, but because of this overwhelming awareness that Julie and Frank, together with me and the Godfather, we cannot provide for Elena The parenthood that we desire for her. If she just had us, she would, in some senses, be an orphan because we can't generate in her the life of God. There's a kind of freedom that came from acknowledging this explicitly, this inadequacy of ours, and surrendering Elena to the church. Through water in the Holy Spirit, she has been given a new birth in God. She can now call the church her mother. She has not been left an orphan, but through the Holy Spirit can call God her father. Even just in the very basic practicalities of life, of caring for her, she was recently ill and being faced with that, it is so immensely helpful and transformative to be able to say our love, our paternity, our maternity is not all that she has. Mm -hmm. We all desire that.
1: Yeah, I think baptism and in a special way, I guess, as a mother, like infant baptism is such a powerful experience of the love of God and the love of the Holy Spirit. I think you and I have, I mean, we've both shared testimonies of experiencing a crisis of faith in our earlier years. And could you share ways that you've grown in your relationship with the Holy Spirit through the years? Oh my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) We would be here
0: for a long time and there's obviously way more that I don't even know about. So um, I guess I would just start by saying while I recognize now the, immense gift, as I was saying, of baptism and confirmation and my intense need for the sacramental grace and the new life that's communicated through them. When I received my confirmation, I'm embarrassed to say it now, but most of my memories from that day were about my dress and the confirmation name I chose because I thought it was pretty and my gaze wasn't fixed on God. And yet I've experienced in the years since that God didn't not give me grace because I wasn't asking for it because I didn't have a pure heart in that. There's, in some senses, I like to think of it as he waited with arms outstretched, with the gifts of the Holy Spirit, with the seal that he wanted to place on my heart, and waited for me to turn to him. So, what that looked like, I guess, was just first coming to an awareness over the course of my early teenage years of the intensity of the dominion of sin and evil in my heart and in the world. Mm-hmm. I think the Holy Spirit was really the one who awakened me to habits that I had and ways of being in relationship with others and myself and pricking my conscience, as Saint Ignatius of Loyola would say, to make me aware of the evil that I was doing and the evil that I saw in the world and to make me long for good. And that that was intensely uncomfortable, but I was given a grace by the Holy Spirit to turn to God and away from sin and evil. In that turn, in that conversion, that metanoia, that renewal of my mind, um, then began to experience the Holy Spirit, as you were saying, as the advocate and the consoler. Um, And so having concrete experiences of a light in my darkness, whether that was psychological darkness, spiritual darkness, undeniable moments of perceiving that God was with me. Of a love that was impossible, of a perception of the beauty of creation, Mm -hmm. an attraction to sacred scripture, a strength and a healing that was humanly impossible. Um, If I had to draw highlights of where, you know, over the past eight years since my reversion, I would say I most powerfully have experienced and grown in my relationship with the Holy Spirit through prayer and explicitly invoking the Holy Spirit the sacraments and participating in the holy sacrifice of the mass. Mm-hmm. And then in my participation in whether it's the school community and the life of the movement of communion and liberation or other persons of faith through relationship with others who exhibit the gifts of the Holy Spirit and make me know and receive and desire that same life. So is that sort of a helpful tracing of the
1: Yes, and you actually used a word that I love, but I was wondering if you could elaborate or explain it a little bit more to our listeners, metanoia.
0: Mm. Metanoia, yeah. So that's the Greek for conversion. It's the path of the Christian life. It literally means to change your mind. And so to turn away from the self, which ultimately when pursued as an end leads to death, to nothingness, and to turn towards God from whom we receive who we truly are.
1: Yeah, I've always heard it explained as like a 180 degree turn Mm, Yeah, that I think is helpful in thinking about my own narrative with the Holy Spirit. I definitely did not explicitly really think about God as Trinity for all of my young adult years and distinguish Mm -hmm. a relationship with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. And I remember having a professor at Notre Dame sort of quickly quip that the... Holy Spirit is the forgotten person of the Trinity, Hmm. and that really struck me. And then another occasion, your mom, who I think of as – we've talked you and I aside as like sort of a – spokesperson is the wrong word, but like advocate for the Holy Spirit. Yes. She often would ask me about the movements of the Holy Spirit in my own heart Mm. and like, oh, where did you experience the Holy Spirit there? And I felt that those were like real challenges to look inside and see where the Holy Spirit was making himself present. Mm-hmm. And then I would say thirdly, my experience with the movement. I think that the movement is a charism of the church, and we often understand the charisms of the church as outpouring of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Yes. And I think that part of the charism of CL in particular is to emphasize the fraternal love of the Holy Spirit and that we experience. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, what does the Holy Spirit generate but communion and liberation? So.
1: Yes. <laughs> Beautiful. Going back to what we said about metanoia and conversion, for me in recent years, where I've looked to see the movement of the Holy Spirit in my own narrative, in examinations of conscience mm-hmm. or my day, it's often in these experiences where I have a change in a movement towards God or towards God's will that I didn't have before or wasn't possible before. Mm -hmm. And often right now in my life is in experiences of forgiveness, where I truly experience forgiveness in my heart. And I can look back at a similar situation that happened previously or something where I didn't experience forgiveness. And I don't mean to say that in those moments, the Holy Spirit wasn't dwelling in my heart, but that perhaps I wasn't receptive to his promptings to forgive. Yeah. And that now I was, and I know that I'm not responsible for that change. Mm-hmm. At most, I moved more towards Mary's fiat, but I couldn't possibly generate in my cold and unforgiving heart that forgiveness that was just made manifest in me. Yes. That's a fantastic example it makes
0: clear that any time we observe in ourself or in others an increase in the theological virtues, which is faith, hope, and love, That can't come from us. Mm -hmm. We all desire the good. We desire to grow in these things, but we can't do it on our own. We need the Holy Spirit to inspire us. And so whether that's an increase in faith, an absence of doubt, an ability to understand and articulate what you believe, or an increase in hope when faced with the second pandemic lockdown, a new desire to see God present in it and not to rebel against your circumstances, or an increase in love of being with someone who in the past you have failed to see as made in the image of God and having a new tenderness for them or a new awareness of their dignity. And I think of even just, I have a chronic allergy. I don't know what triggers it, but when it is triggered, I spend about three weeks in the most intense discomfort that I've ever experienced in my life of my entire body feels like it's on fire. And the first time it happened to me, I experienced a crisis, not of lack of belief in God, but just this sense of, I can't do this. I physically cannot do this, mm-hmm. mentally cannot do this. In the times that it's happened since, each time I've seen a greater ability to maintain faith in the presence of God with me in that suffering and a greater desire to unite that suffering to God. Mm. And as someone who on her own is incapable of living suffering well, I know that doesn't come from me. It comes through the free gift of the Holy Spirit in my heart. But as you alluded to with your reference to Mary's fiat, it is something that we can and should beg for also. And so Mm -hmm. I try to make it a habitual prayer. Come Holy Spirit, and to invoke particularly the intercession of Mary, the spouse of the Holy Spirit, the one through whom in the flesh the Holy Spirit entered the world at the event of the incarnation.
1: Yeah, similarly, before I go to receive the Eucharist, I always pray the same psalm. And I just had to actually look it up because I didn't know the psalm number. It was Psalm 51, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Yes. And I'd heard a priest talk about this psalm before, and he said that the Greek word for create is this like literally create, make a brand new heart, Mm. and that always just seems to be an appropriate prayer for me Mm -hmm. at reception of the Eucharist. And I truly believe that that's helped me to become more perceptive and aware of the Holy Spirit's movements in my heart.
0: Yeah, that's interesting because that's a penitential psalm. We pray it every Friday morning and in morning prayer in the Divine Office. It's a penitential psalm. Yet you're going up to receive the body, blood, soul, and divinity of literally the king of the universe into your soul. And so I think it illuminates what we were saying about the Holy Spirit being the one both to convict us of our sin, to show us where we live in darkness, but mm-hmm. then also to bring us into the light.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's a really important point because the church never invites us to live in shame. Right. Right. Through an understanding of our sin, we can more concretely see the acts of God and mm-hmm. his abundance and generosity and transforming us into how can we hold both of those together, the awareness of our sin and the belovedness before God, if not for God's own promise. Yes. And the Holy Spirit who dwells in us. It just wouldn't be possible. It doesn't make any sense.
0: Absolutely. Both in the way that we
1: look at ourselves and others. Mm-hmm. So I know we've touched on our experiences of growing in the Holy Spirit. Another definition I love of the Holy Spirit from St. Augustine, who I also learned from your mom, Sophia, (laughs) the quiet guest of my soul. I really love the use of the word quiet. Mm -hmm. Obviously, St. Augustine was writing in Latin, so I actually don't know what word he did use, but the English translation of quiet, Mm -hmm. because I think it speaks to – The reality that he doesn't make himself forceful. He remains quiet to show us Jesus. And to respect our freedom. Where the
0: spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. I think that's so important because I, as you do too, and a number of my friends I know, have this huge hunger for life to be something great. And while that's a gift, it can also lead me to disregard or be impatient with these quieter and slower works of God which I think is often how the Holy Spirit acts in these silent ways in my heart over time mm. where looking back it might be clear but in the moment I'm not able to say as you were saying the world won't know the work of the Holy Spirit I'm not always able to recognize in the moment ah yes I see the spirit at work in this one example is one of the very first profound changes in my life that I was able to attribute wanted to in invoked and was able to attribute the change to the Holy Spirit was a journey of grappling with struggles with self-image, self-worth, and and particularly in my embodied physicality. And in high school, it was abundantly clear to me that this was going to be an important prerequisite for healing in other areas of my life, in relationship, all of these things. I needed to be able to look at myself as loved by God and as beautiful if I was going to walk this journey of conversion and to lead this life that I felt called to live. And yet I also saw that I couldn't do that on my own. And I couldn't even just do that with the help of a counselor. Like I needed the divine physician. And so I really did entrust this to the Holy Spirit. And that looked like making very concrete acts of faith in the Holy Spirit and prayers to the Holy Spirit when I had these thoughts of hating my body or whatever to say, come Holy Spirit, transform my mind renew me show me the world as you see it show me myself as you see me and the healing that has come from that to me is an undeniable testament to the creative power of the Holy Spirit. But as anyone who struggled with body image or other forms of struggles with self-worth or other kinds of psychological difficulties can say, this is a turbulent journey that you don't always see. You don't always see the healing when you're in it. Mm -hmm. And so that's comforting now when I am in the process of healing or growth or conversion in other areas of my life, and I don't feel like God is acting or I don't feel like I'm making progress. To be able to look back on other things the Holy Spirit has done in my life or the life
1: of my friends is a source of immense hope for me now. Yeah, I love what you're saying because I think there's a really important point that, frankly, a lot of Christians miss that if you don't feel the experience of the Holy Spirit, that does not mean the Holy Spirit is not present to you. Yes, so important. And so much of my history is like, well, I went or I practiced my faith on the days where I felt like it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Then when I didn't feel like it maybe had less discipline, I, that sentence like translates to so many other bad habits if it's about like working out or following other disciplines you've made for yourself. In terms of like how to grow in your relationship with the Holy Spirit, I think it's helpful to bracket that question of whether or not I had the feelings today. Mm -hmm. and start with praying to the Holy Spirit and begging him to make himself known to you. Mm -hmm. But what you've also touched on is really reflecting on your own narrative and looking at your whole life, if that's through journaling or just like a deep time and contemplative prayer before adoration, but looking like, where have I grown in these fruits of the Holy Spirit and these fruits, you know, love, joy, Peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, self control. Mm-hmm. And where were moments where I saw growth in the last week, in the last month, in the last year?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And give thanks to the Holy Spirit for that growth. Mm-hmm. And I think that will help when you have these experiences of like radical change and like forgiveness, like I just mentioned. And you realize, like, that's the work of the Holy Spirit. This is a conversion of my heart that I couldn't have done on my own.
0: That's a helpful invitation to ponder. It also helps because I think it makes clear that while we don't want to fall into the trap of reducing the work of the Holy Spirit to just feelings, The presence of the Spirit and His creative and renewing power is something that we test in our experience. And so it's in walking the journey of life that we see the truth of what the Church teaches about the Spirit because by invoking Him and observing the change, like you know, the scientist, I'm like, well, you've got a hypothesis and you've just obtained data that it's true, you know? And so Mm -hmm. when I feel overwhelmed by how far I have to go in this journey of conversion or how little I truly do understand about God, um, it's helpful to remember it's only in time and space that I can experience God. And so it's walking on this path after, as you implied, the people around me who I see living the life of God, it's in walking this path that I learn its truth. And what a source of freedom that is.
1: Yeah, and I think it gives some explanation to people like Mother Teresa who experienced an absence of God for apparently decades, but nonetheless remained the most devoted disciple. Mm -hmm. And she, among other things, was a woman aware of her narrative and aware with the strongest conviction of the ways that the Lord had spoken to her in her life. Yeah. And that she had given herself to him so entirely and that he had now chosen to take a step back to call her to even deeper faith. Mm -hmm. But that wasn't the Holy Spirit no longer inside of her. I think St. John of the Cross just talks about it's a deeper invitation from God to grow in friendship and grow in love with him. A deeper invitation that many people don't experience. I think it's an advanced invitation on the road of discipleship. St.
0: Teresa of Calcutta is a great example there. And as you touched on, importantly, she was faithful in that time of darkness to the places that she had experienced the life of the Holy Spirit before, to prayer, to mass, to the works of mercy, to her community life. That's really important in an example for all of us in that sense. It reminds me of what St. Teresa of Avila always recommends. Uh, When you're looking to grow in relationship with God, but particularly in times of difficulty, and I think is applicable for anyone trying to grow in relationship to the Holy
1: Spirit, which is
0: persistence and friendship.
1: I love that. Yes. I think friendship has been historically the easiest way for me to see the movement of the Holy Spirit in my life. Yeah. I think of an example I had in the movement where we were talking about like our experiences of being like aware of our own absolute poverty and a change. And I talked about, I can't even remember what I was upset about, but I was in my room and like the lights were off, so it was dark. And you texted me just randomly when we lived 10 feet apart, but if I wanted to yes. take a walk and pray the rosary around the lakes. And I was like, yes, that's the perfect thing. Like, mm. thank God she texted me. That was all the depth that I had taken that moment. But then in School of Community, our friend Ilaria pointed out to me, like, don't you see that was God answering your prayer? You had this like mm-hmm. prayer in your despair in the literal darkness that you were in your dorm room. And God prompted in Sophia's heart at that moment to text you. And it was just like this profound awakening in me of like, wow, <laughs> yes, that that was. Yeah. I think the experiences like that are just made available to me through friendship. It was because I responded to your text, but then also because I shared that testimony Mm -hmm. at School of Community, and then Eladia spoke back to that, that I was able to really see the movement of the Holy Spirit in a way that I wouldn't have otherwise. It was like through another. In all of those events,
0: absolutely. A cherished memory, and it reminds me of one of my favorite Psalms, 139, about the abiding presence of god who sees and perceives everything about you but one of the lines in it is darkness is not dark for you Mm. for god in the holy spirit darkness is not dark the night is clear as the day and i have a similar sort of iconic moment of awareness of the presence of the holy spirit i was sitting on a hill at night in El Salvador with a friend of mine and chose to tell him for the first time about my personal history and darkness in that personal history um, in places of woundedness and sin. And it was the first time I'd opened up to anyone about this. And the way that he responded to me was with immense tenderness and actually gratitude, articulating his gratitude Mm -hmm. for what the Holy Spirit had done in my life, for how God had brought me from that place of darkness to sitting beside him on that hill. And to our episode on friendship, the objectivity of that love took my breath away. And every time now I pray this psalm, I think about that moment and the fact that my darkness is not dark to God. And he reaches me, as we touched on, in talking about the Virgin Mary as the spouse of the Holy Spirit, he reaches me through the flesh. He enters the world through the flesh. He shows me that my night is as light to him through my friends and through the sacraments and through the beauty of creation and through the real material things of the world. And so the mercy of God in this is just,
1: I mean, it just brings me to tears every time. Yeah, I love that story. I I just love how beautifully that emphasizes that the Holy Spirit will convict you of your sins in order to bring you to an awareness of your core being as a beloved daughter of God. Yes. So that you can have the courage to surrender to your true identity and live live your identity instead of your more base desires or the ways of the world.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and not just for you, but for everyone. Because as you're saying about dignity, this is given to us not just for our own like personal salvation, not just for my psychological healing that wow, now I can be someone who's healed. And no, but for the entire world, the Holy Spirit creates prophets. The Holy Spirit inspires us with the words of witness and a passion for God's glory that sends us out. This is what one of the things I love about the Mass is that we're invited into this the most intense moment of intimacy that anyone could ever imagine. And then sent. The word mass comes from missus, which means sent. We're sent to proclaim the truth that we have just received, the person we have just welcomed into our hearts in the world. And as none of us, as we touched on at the start of this episode, as none of us are capable of doing that, this is why Christ has given us the Holy Spirit, is to give us the words to say, to give us the opportunities to share them, for his glory and not just for our own individual good.
1: Yeah, that's such an important point. And we could have like an entire episode on the sacrament of confirmation. Maybe we will. <laughs> but I want to say that it is so common to misunderstand confirmation as like something that's all about us and our acceptance and like graduation in the church. Yeah. And it is the seal of the Holy Spirit that sends us on mission and makes us ready to be disciples going forth and To me, it would be far better to understand confirmation as the receipt of mission than we so currently and popularly understand it as sort of graduating and making the faith my own. Mm -hmm. Well said.
0: And it reminds me of a friend of mine. My mother recently asked me who in my life exemplifies the gifts and the fruits of the Holy Spirit. And I thought of a friend of mine, Brother Andrew, who you also know, Adriana, he's a Mm Conventual Franciscan friar, who is currently doing his PhD in the UK, and so I have many opportunities to see him there, but I got to know Notre Dame. And I mean, talk about one who has been confirmed in the faith as sent and transformed into a prophet. I mean, you could stop even just at externals, and it would be enough, because he wears this habit in a society that is so secular that he's a sign of contradiction, just in literally like walking to catch the bus. But more compellingly, in the way that he looks at people and listens to people and takes seriously the needs of their heart and courageously speaks words and answer to them. He's shared with me so many stories of encounters with people from every background and in every state of life. And the way that particularly in his wisdom, in his courage, in his gentleness, in his humor... There's something that reveals to me so powerfully every time I'm with him. The reality of the Spirit as one who dwells in us and is is to animate everything that we do. So I'm really grateful for his witness. It's, it's something that I desire to follow.
1: Yeah, Brother Andrew's an amazing person that definitely has surrendered himself to the work of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Is there anything else you wanted to emphasize today in our episode? I guess this might sound esoteric. I don't know, but...
0: While the mystery of this person of the Holy Trinity that we've been talking about is heightened by our fear of God and our our awareness of our finitude and our folly next to his infinite being and, and wisdom, I guess I would say also in my life I've seen that the Holy Spirit desires to be known, desires to be known by us as the bridegroom of our soul. So seeking to grow in the life of the Holy Spirit is not like some project to undertake or some great and complex doctrine to try to study, but a surge of love that wells up in your heart generated by God himself. Mm. And so if you find yourself drawn to prayer, but don't know how or to a new friendship or participation in a new movement of the church or whatever it, it, however the holy spirit seems to be inviting you to grow in relationship with him now don't be afraid <laughs> don't be afraid because it's an invitation to love to spousal love um, god is wooing you through that invitation yeah so while i sort of tremble at saying that it
1: really is just a matter of saying yes thank you sophia i love that i'd only just add again that if you're someone right now that is feeling orphaned or abandoned, I just invite you to go to John 14 Mm -hmm. and really just pray with, I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. Mm -hmm. In a little while, the world will no longer see me, but you will see me because I live and you will live. And I think there's such truth there about this experience of feeling orphaned and this promise that because I live, you will live in this desire when, when you're orphaned almost to like die because we're not made for that. Mm-hmm. But that's actually not our challenge for the week. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Would you like to give our weekly challenge and then I can uh, offer our
1: media recommendation? Sure. Yeah. Our weekly challenge is to pray the novena of the Holy Spirit. We'll provide a link in our show notes, but you could also <laughs> just Google search Novena of the Holy Spirit. And there's, I like the website Praying More Novenas, but EWTN is also really great. Oh, yeah, because
0: they remind you. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> and if you're not familiar with the novena, it's typically nine days, and each day is devoted to a different fruit of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And it's actually, I learned this on EWTN, the only novena that's officially prescribed by the church.
0: We love that, as the church is the way that the Holy Spirit leads us into all truth. So good to take her recommendation seriously.
1: (laughs) And the media recommendation?
0: So our media recommendation for this week is a bit of an answer to one of the ironies of this episode, which is that the Holy Spirit often works in inarticulable, ineffable ways, interceding for our hearts with these movements that are described in Scripture as groaning. One of the ways in my life that I experience this movement profoundly and regularly is in listening to classical music, beautiful music that moves my heart in wordless ways. And one of my favorite works of all time is Max Brooks Violin Concerto. I'll put a link to it in the show notes, but I would invite you to listen to it, all three movements, if you have the time, and just allow this experience of beauty to move you in a new way. I've been looking forward to recommending this for basically since we started our podcast. So this one is an emphatic recommendation on my part.
1: Sophia, I thought it would be fun to end today with the prayer we say at the end of School of Community. Yes. In Latin, come Holy Spirit, come through Mary. Veni sancti spiritus. Veni per Mariam. Have a good day, everyone, and know of our prayers for you. Thanks
0: for joining us today. We'll see you again soon on The Pilgrim Soul.